Chile and the Philippines. Vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoe Hoy on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat.
Thank you. My name is Roger Ridley. I got all this music that's going on CBS. can watch while I'm scrubbing these floors and I'm scrubbing the floors while you're gawking. Maybe once you tip me and it makes you feel swell in this crummy southern town in this crummy old hotel, but you'll never guess to who you're talking. No, you couldn't ever guess to who you're talking. Then there's a scream in the night and you wonder who could that have been and you see me kind of grinning while I'm scrubbing and you say what she got to grin I'll tell you there's a ship the black freighter the skull on its masthead will be coming in. You gentlemen can say, hey gal, finish them floors, get upstairs, what's wrong with you, earn your keep here. And you toss me your tips and look out to the ships, but I'm counting your heads as I'm making the beds, cause there's nobody gonna sleep here. Tonight, nobody's gonna sleep here, honey. Nobody. Nobody. Then one night, there's a scream in the night, and you say, who's that kicking up around? And you see me kinda staring out the window. You say, what she got to stare at now? I'll tell you, there's a ship, the black freighter turns around in the harbor, shooting guns from her bow. gentlemen can wipe off that smile off your face because every building in town is a flat one this whole freaking place will be down to the ground only this cheap hotel standing up safe and sound and you yell why do they spare that one yes that's what you say why do they spare that one to do you wonder who is that person that lives up there and you see me stepping out in the morning looking nice with a ribbon in my hair <laughs> and the ship and the blood Runs a flag up its masthead. 
and so still at the dock you can hear far gone miles away and in that quiet of death I'll say Estoy del suelo donde he nacido Inmensa nostalgia invade mi pensamiento Y al verme tan sola y triste cual hoja al viento Quisiera llorar, quisiera morir de sentimiento Nakajika yori nunyu nunikakuri Kuashatindo nihakunte iniri Handao yo maturi nuhandisotachi Kuniri Dairi kuniri kuri Hatunina kaniniri Oh tierra del sol Suspiro por verte Ahora que lejos Yo vivo sin luz, sin amor Y al verme tan sola y triste Cual hoja al viento Quisiera llorar, quisiera morir de sentimiento. Uh, 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 uh. 
Nandi Naha Kanuininderiro Tebi Naha Hikaiari Natuka Nikandi Hakundao Iliri Hayo Maturi Nundandi Sotachi Kundiri Dairi Kundiri Kuri Hanina Kaniniri Downs. This is Labor and Love Radio. We're coming out of 2781 21st Street. Every Saturday morning at this time, we work together on the morning show. Listen to music of social significance, labor news, opinion, history. Etc. By, for, and about working people. That was Cancion Misteca, um, song about a man who's far away from his home, presumably Mexico, and uh, how it's ringing, ringing him out. Um, Ligla Downs. <coughs> singing that one, singing some of it in the native. This is, after all, just before Mexican Independence Day. And we'll have more about that later on. Before that was Nina Simone with a classic Brecht Weil song, The Black Freighter. And listening to this song reminds us that Working people are getting angrier and angrier and angrier about what's happened to them. Under capitalism, you got to work to survive, but now you can't work because of the COVID. Oh, yeah, you could go to work and risk your life. Please do. Risk your life. You can die by the hundreds of thousands but I, I don't want to tell you what is really happening because it might cause a panic. Nina Simone, the anger, the anger, the anger of working people as the privileged try to go about their lives as if nothing's happened. Talk of the Bay before that, and sometimes it feels like that's what we're doing these days, just sitting on the dock of the bay wasting time, but don't let that happen. Don't waste your time. Work for the election of an administration that's just a little bit, maybe a little bit more decent, not so given to uh, temper tantrums. Try to take away the Senate from those people who would let you sit and starve. Democrats, Republicans, all around the mission as I drive around, I notice uh, people with their stuff out on the street just sitting there wondering what they're going to do next. 
four, five, six people, six instances of that I saw as I drove through the mission last week. What's going to happen? What's going to be our response? Are we going to let this happen? That's what we're doing now. So Labor and Love Radio, where we tell you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. It's that simple and that complex. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, if you don't have a voice there, either from a union or a workers' association or uh, just a bunch of people together demanding change or guarding their rights, you're on, then you're on the menu if you don't have that. What is your relationship to the power at your job? What can you and the people like you, the other workers, do to exert some control over their lives? Because it is. It's over your life, those minutes where you're on the clock, on your job. Those are your life. Those are those minutes at that time in your life. They're not coming back. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. When I say labor, I mean you. Okay, uh, just last week we lost a giant in the world of uh, reggae music. The music of, in the world of all music. Toots Hibbert. I'm going to play a little to of Toots Hibbert. And, uh, and talk a little about his life. Toots. Here. Listen up a little here to some classical jazz. Classic jazz. Here's Toots with a classic soul song.
Okay, that was uh, <coughs> Toots and the Maytals. Of course, Toots Hibbert, the uh, leader of that group, when it gave it its name, died this week. Hibbert was born in the parish of Clarendon in Jamaica. He was the youngest of eight children. His parents were preachers. Seventh-day Adventists. So he grew up like so many people later went on to stardom. He grew up singing in a church. His parents died when uh, he was 11 years old, were dead by the time he was 11. And he went to live with his brother in Kingston. 1962, while working at a local barber shop, he was heard singing inside and the two guys who later joined him to become the Maytals, a trio they were named after Hibbert's hometown of May Point in the 1960s they were one of the most popular vocal groups in Jamaica He was sentenced to 18 months in prison for possession of marijuana. His best known song, 5446, that's my number. He was one of the first artists to use the word reggae. Toots and the Maytals. Um, of course, they came out and were discovered by so many of them. From the Jimmy Cliff album, The Harder They Come was kind of uh, an anthology of uh, reggae at that time and his song, one of, one of which we just played for you, The Pressure Drop. When a music company refused to pay him for some work he'd done, he wrote a song telling them that the pressure was going to drop on them. documentary Reggae Got Soul in 2011 further uh, publicized Toots and the Maytals. An untold story of one of the most influential artists ever to come out of Jamaica. Garcia Griffiths, Jimmy Cliff, Bonnie Raitt, Eric Clapton, Keith Richards, Willie Nelson, Anthony Lee Curtis, Ziggy Marley, all these people joined in to Celebrate Toots Hibbert. In August 2020, it was reported that he was in the hospital fighting for his life, um, possibly coronavirus connection. Not sure, don't quote me on that. Toots Hibbert and the Maytals. Well, okay, uh, let's read some of our credos here for a minute. Um, working class wisdom packed into tiny, easily <laughs> consumed packages. Credos. 
What are things that you should remember in times like this? Pity the Nation by Lawrence Killian Gibby. This is Robert Reich. When you hear Trump and his people tell how well the economy is doing, and they base that judgment not on how working people are living day to day, nothing about that. It's how well the stock market's doing. Mr. Trump is selling us the stock market. That's why we should be happy and vote for him. But Robert Reich, who was a former Secretary of Labor under Clinton, writes this. This is a reminder that the richest 1% own half the stock market and the richest 10% own almost all of it, 92%. So 10% of the people own 90% of the stock market. It's a rich man's game. So when Trump brags about the stock market, he's not talking about the economy that 90% of Americans inhabit. What they're doing now is... Uh, you know, buying and selling. They're getting cheap money loaned to them from the government at almost zero interest, big corporations, and they're investing and playing the stock market. So of course the market's going up. The more money that's coming into it, the upper it goes. It's a rich man's game. It's not something you need to worry about in the morning when you wake up. Think about how the Dow is doing. Anyway, kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mine, says Utah Phillips. They don't have a little sister coughing out her lungs in the looms of the big mill towns of the Northeast. Why? Because we organized We broke the back of the sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. And these were not benevolent gifts from enlightened management. They were fought for, they were bled for, they were died for by working people, by people like us. Kids ought to know that. That's why I sing these songs. That's why I tell these stories, damn it. No root, no fruit. This is something we have to remember. We're not going to get anything handed to us as working people. The corporations are interested and, and businesses are interested in beating your salary down, keeping it down. That means they get more money for themselves. And as we'll see, they can reinvest it. What about this one? Talk about contradiction. When the penalty for aborting after rape is more severe than the penalty for rape, <laughs> that's when you know it's a war on women. Woman gets raped. to 
fight it off or something. I don't know what. Get freaked, not any fault of her own. Then she decides not to have the baby. She doesn't want to have the man's baby. He's a rapist. In some states, he gets visitation rights. But the abortion, okay, that's going to cost her part of her life in some states. That's how you know it's a war on women. Not supposed to be like that. Woman's supposed to be in control of her own body. Otherwise, she's a slave. Just the way the women on the plantations were under slavery. They weren't consulted about getting pregnant or not. They're supposed to get pregnant. And you know why? To increase the boss's wealth. Every baby that was born increased his wealth. How about quote-unquote undocumented immigrants? Can I tell you a secret? Says Jesse Memory. I don't even care if they're undocumented immigrants in this country. Without Social Security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal People, hello, trying to live a better life. These are people just like you, trying to make a living to support themselves and their families. There's another way to do it. They do it that way, but this is the way you do it. You work. The whole wall, deport the illegals, BS is just the 1% convincing the working people to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Instead of realizing the reason they're all poor is due to vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. Use your brains. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's because the people who control everything Refuse to increase your wages. Hello? <laughs> so you're not that into politics. Democratic Socialists of Los Angeles say. You're not that you're just not that into politics. Well, I got news for you. Your boss is. Your landlord is. Your insurance company is. And every day, they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. Pay low, more money for the boss. Raise your rent, more money for the landlord. Deny you coverage. Your insurance agents. It's time... You get in to politics. I got news for you. It's time to get in to politics. Okay. Let's take a look at it. Like I just erased it. 
take a look at radio labor. I haven't had radio labor for um, quite a bit now. Radio labor is um, a worldwide labor organization. And every week they bring this report. But we're going to have to wait a bit for it. Listen to John Russell.
think I started to be Some 
Cardio burns fat, right? Okay, that was Dylan uh, <clears throat> and Marjorie McQueen playing uh, my back pages. I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. And then uh, before that was Neil Young with Union Man. I'm a Union Man. And Leon Russell's smashing version of Dylan's uh, Got to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry. So when we talk about uh, Mexican Independence Day, 17th, 16th and 17th, Mexico shares Independence Day one day apart with the Central American Republic. But on the uh, 16 of September, what happened? Um, <coughs> what happened was there was a bourgeois revolution. A bourgeois revolution against the Spanish government, which was trying to govern Mexico all the way from Europe, had an extreme class system where drops of Indian blood or fractions of Indian or black blood were the way people were told apart, you know, were a Creole or a poltroon or uh, an insulare. That means you, ha you could trace your family back to Spain. Um, then there were the people who were born in Mexico, Spanish families. And it was all very carefully worked out. There are people who work out these things. Needless to say, <coughs> needless to say, the darker skinned people and the more Indian and black people were consigned to the lowest rungs of society, having to work away their lives just to subsist. And uh, a growing number of educated people wanted to bring Mexico into the present, make it contemporary. Uh, business interests, of course, always there, trying to quote-unquote develop and we can see the logical, uh, logical result of endless development. We'll talk about that later. At any rate, on the 16th of September in the year 1810, a priest, Padre Hidalgo, stood on a uh, balcony and proclaimed the Mexican Republic with these words, Viva Mexico, Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe, Muerta los Gachupines, death to the Spanish. The War of Independence went on for all of 13, 14 years, 
finally in 1824, Mexico was declared a republic and uh, declared independence and, and Spain. A lot of sides changing as there are in those situations. Um, Mexico, by the way, outlawed slavery in 1833. Fully 20 years, 40, 30 years before the United States. Uh, one of the problems that developed between the young republic, Mexico, and the United States was that the United States was involved in uh, taking over land from Native American groups, um, expanding. And we had this doctrine called manifest destiny. That means, oh, it's our manifest destiny. It's obvious that the United States was supposed to take over the entire continent of North America. That's just how it is. And if native groups got in the way or people from south of the border got in our way, well, we just take their land. And uh, they had to like it. Not unlike the Israeli uh, commander who said, we just turned our tanks on and drove into Palestine. And we just kept driving. And if anyone tried to stop us, we said they were terrorists. That's pretty much the way North America was settled. At any rate, there was friction at the border. The Mexican state of Texas tried to secede, as did California, another Mexican state at the time. And when Mexican forces went into Texas to put down the rebellion, part of it was about whites wanting to own slaves, even though they were outlaws. This was a time when Mexico should have shut its borders down and <laughs> built a wall, if anyone, anyone could. The gringos drifted across the border and gradually took over. They revolted against the, the Mexican state and uh, proclaimed a republic with the help of prominent Mexicans like Juan Queseguin. And uh, that was the Battle of the Alamo, Mexico putting down a revolt in Texas, fueled mostly by Americans, among other things, wanted to own slaves and have them in Mexico and take over the area. Well, what do you think? A few years later, nine years later, Texas becomes part of the United States, as does California. American troops are sent into Mexico, an area that was disputed but had always been part of Mexico on maps. Mexicans defended the area as part of their country, shot some Americans. James Knox Polk, the expansionist president of the U.S. at the time, said, American troops have been killed on American soil. Not, but anyway. <coughs> the 
the frenzy in the United States to conquer these dark, less educated, uh, dirty people. They still, people still do that. Mr. Trump does it. Fox News pundits do it. These people are a cut below us, below the white race. So, celebrate Mexico on September 16th. It's not Cinco de Mayo. It is the independence of the Mexican state from Spain. The more thoroughgoing revolution had to wait until 1910. And for 10 years, Mexico was plunged into civil war as the working people tried to get a fair shake. And uh, the revolution was kind of frittered away. But uh, that's another story. Viva Mexico. We celebrate Mexican independence. is Los Tigres del Norte featuring Flaco Jimenez.
dinero las aguas del río Bravo. Y los quitaron a Texas, Nuevo México, Arizona y Colorado. También voló California y Nevada. Con Utah no se llenaron. El estado de Wyoming también nos lo arrebataron. Yo soy la sangre del indio. Soy latino, soy mestizo. Somos de todos colores y de todos los oficios. Y aunque le duela al vecino, somos más americanos. Somos más americanos que toditos los gringos. Los siglos nos 
Okay, that was our homage to Mexico, huh? <laughs> they had, somos más americanos que ellos. We are more American than they are. Sung by los Tigres del Norte. And then the Tigres and uh, rapper Calle 13 joined for Americanos, Somos Americanos, naming all the countries in uh, in Central and South America. And uh, that last one, Las Cafeteras with the Bamba Rebelde, Rebellious Bamba, Somos Chicanos. What is a Chicano? We've been through this the last few weeks talking about this, Chicanismo. Here's the thing, imagine, 1848, the end of the uh, war in Mexico by the United States, United States forces the uh, Mexican government to sign away a third of its territory, half of its territory. The states have, you go through the list, there are 11 different states that were part of this. infamous Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. Um, and it, this was agreed to by the upper classes in Mexico did not want to see the peons and the trabajadores with guns in their hand because they might revolt against the power of the church or against the class power of the ruling classes in Mexico. So they agreed to giving away half their country <laughs> to keep their power, 1848. So all of a sudden, you're living in New Mexico or California or any one of another number of states, and all of a sudden, you're not a Mexican. This is not Mexican territory. All of a sudden, you're an American, but in America... The language is English. You speak Spanish. All the all the administrative things are done in English. All of a sudden, you're a stranger in your own country. And if we could go to the heart of Chicanismo, it would be something like that. All of a sudden, switching, being switched to a position of powerlessness. Whites were coming through, buying everything up, shooting anybody who resisted. This is your fate as a Chicano. When we ask us the question, what is a Chicano? That's, that's a big part of it. Let's go to radio labor now. Worldwide labor. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, declaring COVID-19 an occupational disease, the pandemic is hitting racialized workers and women in the U.S. the hardest. Helping East African unionists confront multiple disasters. The Labor Start report about union events and singing. Let's ride. Ordinary people, let's rise. Uh -huh. 
This is Radio Labor. As millions of workers are being hit by the pandemic, the global unions are campaigning to have COVID-19 declared an occupational disease. I talked to Hidayat Greenfield about the campaign. Mr. Greenfield is the regional secretary for the Asia-Pacific region of the International Union of Food Workers, the IUF. I asked him why the campaign was being conducted. I think it's important because in, in many ways, as this pandemic continues, a lot of employers are still responding to COVID-19 as a public health emergency that is somehow encroaching on the workplaces. So instead of dealing with it as a risk in the workplace, there's a tendency to treat it as a risk that's entering the workplace as citizens, if you like. So so a lot of employers are... are and, ...and not really... Rec- of it being an occupational disease. The idea is that biological hazards already exist in workplaces, and there's a lot of legislation, regulation around this in many countries, but more importantly, international legislation and regulations around it that define certain risks as biological hazards in the workplace, and these are caused by a biological agent example would be anthrax, which is a recognized biological agent, which is a biological hazard in a workplace in certain environments. So obviously, for health workers on the front line in this pandemic, there's absolutely no doubt that SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus that causes the disease COVID-19, is a biological agent, and they face exposure to this and the risk of contracting the disease COVID-19. That's the most important, no doubt. But what we're talking about is that there are other workers in other workplaces, in hotels, in restaurants, in supermarkets, in food factories, and particularly in places like meat factories, which in North America and other countries in Europe and Australia have been a significant site for outbreaks of COVID-19. For other workers, other than health workers, it also is an occupational risk. There is a risk that in coming to work and working, there is a risk you will contract, you will be exposed to the biological agent SARS-CoV-2, and there's a risk you'll... ...defines it as an occupational disease, which we need legislated, and in terms of bargaining with employers and acknowledgement of employers, you're talking about occupational exposure. What it does is that means we have to integrate this biological hazard of COVID-19 into existing occupational health and safety. We have to integrate it into occupational health and safety to maximize protection, have protective measures, and reduce risk. In the United States, the coronavirus has infected over 6 million people. More than 186,000 have died. The real unemployment rate is about 20%, almost as high as during the Great Depression. Most affected are racialized workers of color and women. To highlight the problems being faced by workers in the U.S., the AFL-CIO National Labor Federation recently held a webinar to discuss the issues. I'm Tafari Gabray. I'm the executive vice president of the AFL-CIO. 
Brothers and sisters, the coronavirus has been devastating us for over six months in so many ways. And well, it has affected all working people in this country. It has especially affected African-Americans, Latinos, Asian-Americans, and Native Americans. They have been infected in disproportionately high rates. Working people of color, migrants, and women who have been the front lines since day one are bearing the unjust burden. Workers of color are not only losing their lives at shockingly high rates, their livelihoods are also threatened. This crisis has accentuated the growing inequality with whites nearly 50% more likely to be able to work from home than that of Latinos and 35% higher than that of African-Americans. This kind of disparity cannot exist in our country, in our workplaces. It's not okay for workers of color to be more likely to be paid poverty labor wages as compared to white workers. It's not okay that this pandemic is worsening deep divisions in our country. How can we as a country celebrate the rising stock market as more than 12% of adults say they don't even have enough food to eat on a regular basis? While the COVID-19 pandemic is rightly being focused on by governments, unions are trying to remind people that many countries and regions are being affected by other problems as well. For example, the countries in the East African region, which includes Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda, have been hit by the pandemic, a plague of locusts, and the effects of climate change all at the same time. In a recent webinar, the director of the Workers' Activities Bureau of the UN's International Labor Organization, Maria Elena Andre, addressed union activists in East Africa. The bureau operates under its French acronym, ACTRAV. This virtual meeting gives us the opportunity to share our thoughts on ILO tools that would guide your responses to the complex triple crisis which confront the East African subregion. The pandemic climate disasters and the locust plague, due to the effects of this crisis, lives and livelihoods are under serious threat for the majority of the population. And over and above, the raging crises have exposed the extent of the deficiencies inherent in the health, social protection, labor protection, and environmental management systems of the East African countries. We need to work together, not only to build a new normal in which workers' rights and benefits would not be eroded, but to achieve a better normal to ensure decent work for all. A better normal can only be achieved if trade unions insist on the mobilization of people-centered, decent and job-rich growth and sustainable development in your country's recovery plans. Greening economies in particular will strengthen the capacity of East African countries to manage natural resources sustainably, increase energy efficiency and reduce waste, while at the same time tackling unemployment, poverty and inequality, and of course building resilience guided by the principles of a just transition, sustainable economic programs, commitment to creating decent jobs, guaranteeing labor protection and extending social protection for all. Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. 
Each day, Labor Starts volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 35 languages. Here's a small sample of their work. This week, the emerging trends in our news coverage are the return of safety walkouts and other protests by healthcare workers as the pandemic continues to ravage countries with largely private healthcare systems or underfunded public systems. An example would be how nurses in El Salvador's nonprofit hospitals were using their break periods to protest the lack of even very basic personal protective equipment. Similar walkouts took place last week in Nigeria, Canada, South Africa, Spain, India, Paraguay, Colombia, Portugal, and in Zimbabwe. A similar pattern is emerging in those countries where school systems are reopening after having been shut for the school holidays or as a result of the pandemic. Education workers have already begun refusing to work in such countries, and in several, national strikes have been called for by education unions. In Brazil, the labor movement has taken the lead in organizing opposition to the country's president and his policy of ignoring COVID-19 and encouraging dangerous behavior, despite the huge number of deaths in that country. Here and there, some good COVID-19 news could be found globally. From Botswana diamonds to Bangladesh garments, the effects of the COVID-19 crisis are helping unions and their allies expose the responsibility of global brands for working conditions at the point of production. As well, many national union centers have moved from defense to offense and are pressing demands for a worker-led recovery agenda. For our Working Women pages, our volunteers found news of how the devastation of the global retail and air transport industries are disproportionately affecting women workers, how women workers in Pakistan are organizing against digital abuse, and efforts by domestic workers across Asia to organize as employers use the pandemic as an excuse to cut or even eliminate wages. Our current photo of the week is of a protest in Uruguay, one of many organized by unions there, to demand an end to government plans to privatize that country's education system. For the first time in our 22-year history, Labor Start is running 13 simultaneous online actions on behalf of unions around the world. In many cases, the fights are COVID-19 related, as with workers sacked for complaining about a lack of personal protective equipment. In others, the fight is broader, as with our campaign to force the release of trade union activists imprisoned and tortured in Belarus, Zimbabwe, and in Jordan. This is Derek Blackheader from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here's the musical group Whiteheads with Ordinary People.
And that's it. International labor news you can use. Okay, that was ordinary people. I'm wondering now, um, Vita, are you there? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, glad to hey, hear Bill. you. I'm here too. It's Yemen. These are our campus correspondents, Vita and Yemen, and um, every week I throw a question at them that the American public is struggling with to see what the reaction of young people. <clears throat> is our um, in this situation. So how are you guys doing this week? We're doing well. Very, very well. We're done Moved with into a new place? Yeah, and the fire thing is still going on, so that's been annoying. But otherwise, we've been doing well. What are the numbers like up there, the, the air numbers? Right now, the air quality number is 187. Wow. Okay, and anything over 100 is supposed to be hazardous. Yeah, okay, it's been so, over 200. Um, this week, last week we had a question about the, uh, the post office, I think, an American president trying to attack the post office. This yeah. week we've got something, something similar. Mr. Trump, in a series of interviews with Bob Woodward, who's a famous journalist, um, admitted that in February he knew how serious the, p the pandemic was going to be, but he didn't want people to panic. So he kept telling them uh, things like, oh, one day it'll all be gone. We're doing very well. Um, yeah. It's not serious, right? It's like the flu. Over and over again, these things are on the record. Yeah. So, uh, what's your reaction, Yemen, and what's your reaction, Vita, to this type of situation? Um, well, I, you know, on the surface level, I was thinking about it, and, you know, mob men, they plan their moves, right? So, Donald Trump having this interview with Woodward, uh, it, it can't be anything less than strategic for him, and I know that sounds like, like, contradicting, you know, what everybody's thinking, but, I mean, I feel like, personally, Trump, uh, Trump, like, you know, that was a very calculated move for him to have that conversation, for him to say those words, because guess what? All he cares about is his base, and right now, he's telling his base, you know, I love you so much, I had to withhold truth from you, and I know some philosophy, like, talks about there are circumstances where lying is okay, and I think he's trying to play that spin off to his face that I was trying to protect you otherwise you would have all heard it you know to the supermarket and all that stuff so so obviously you know he was saying the exact opposite he's the reason we've lost a lot of lives you know I've heard a number like in the, in the thousands if he just said something a week earlier um but at the same time I'm seeing strategy in my opinion and I have and I haven't really talked about this but I'm seeing strategy be played out um because you don't have an interview with Bob Woodward say those things and not know they're going to come out and, and, and not know how to spin it. You know what I mean? So yeah. that makes me a little more confused uh, because I don't know why. Like, uh, that, that's just my logical reasoning is what I came to with this. And you can tell me what you think about that. Um, but 
I don't see how you could have an interview with Bob Woodward, say those things, and not know definitively that it'll come out and not use that to your advantage. And so it just confuses me more. That's okay, my I, I hear you. I mean, can it be that he is so <laughs> full of himself that he thought he could get Bob Woodward to write something that was sympathetic to him? Sure. I mean, can it you be know? that his, his ego is that big? Yeah. I yeah. He has a bunch of yes men around him. I think that I think that it's basically I don't know. I don't know if it was a plan or what. I think he's just full of himself and I think that he's going to have a hard time convincing his base like especially it's September, you know, it's going to start becoming fall soon and the virus might get worse. So it's going to be harder for him to convince his base and he keeps having um events where there's more like red hats than there are masks so it, i think that eventually it's going to bite him in the ass to be honest because the virus is pretty real and it's like affecting everybody in different levels of severity so you know i think eventually hopefully these people realize like it's not just dangerous for people in other countries now it's dangerous for them to to vote for trump yeah, well, I can recall uh, somebody interview a uh, reporter interviewing one of the Trump, the people who were um, demonstrating <laughs> for Trump, and the guy said, why don't you have on a mask? And the response was, because the coronavirus is a hoax. Oh, God. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> right. So he's a scientist, and, you know, he knows everything. The ground's going to be full of people who think it was a hoax. Yeah, no, and I get that, and I, I think there are elements of it that maybe we don't know where it came from or certain things. Like, I think there are, you know, hidden elements, there may be conspiracies, but I do think that it is a real a real virus, and it is real. It's just, where did it come from? Why did it come at this time? Was it in any way? Because, you know, you know how weird it is that they didn't do more to stop it in the beginning? So it seems very strange, like, why didn't they close down airports more in the beginning? Why didn't they do certain things, especially with China? Like, they let people keep coming in after, and people, I knew some people also who were coming in, and they were barely getting their temperature taken. And right. it was not any type of, like, you know, yeah, it was like February still, and early March, and it was like, they weren't taking any real precautions by then. So it's become a sus of the virus and I don't know I think that. there could be a conspiracy element just even based on how a lot of them didn't like react sooner and like China also like they just tried to hide it and keep it down for a while because uh -huh. they didn't want people to freak out too so like that's what they said you know so I don't know I think it's pretty fascist okay well uh I want to thank you for taking the time to think about this stuff and reply to it. Um, anything you want to add, Yemen or Vita? Um, you know, I want to add to Vita's point. You know, uh, China, we were watching this thing when China had 500 coronavirus cases and not deaths. And there's, there's, just, there's just no way, you know, that, like, everything we heard is how it all played out. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Thank okay. you, Bill. All Thanks right. a lot for having us. This has been really fun, and we've been enjoying it a lot. 
Well, get ready for next week. Oh yeah. We'll come yeah. Up with, I'm sure he'll come up with something. <laughs> oh yeah, hairball always does. Anyway, yeah. um, then I'll see you guys this weekend, huh? Yes. Right. Yes, okay, yeah. we're seeing you mañana. All right. Talk to you later. Ciao. Thanks again. Have a good one. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. So that was um, Vita in Yemen, our, uh, our CABMAS correspondent, student at the University of California, Davis, and their reaction to the news. Another week of uh, what Mr. Trump has been doing. This is the B, and it looks like we're already out of time. Um, that's just how it goes, I guess. Uh, let's listen to um, Toots and the Maytals. As we go out, this is the B, and we're coming at you this day. We came at you. From uh, Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street. Why capitalists are greedy? Because it's built into the system. Capitalists have to keep expanding that's why things have to change no matter if they need to be changed or not. We'll look at that in the new book, People's Guide to Capitalism, uh, next week. Viva Mexico. Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. Viva America. We were going to play the two Francescas, no time for them. We'll play them next week. This is the B, and we're reminding you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table where you work, the negotiating table, that is, you're on the menu. Someone else is controlling your life. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. This is the B. This is the B saying goodbye. Happy Saturday. Have a good week and good work. And turn the rascals out.
take a break from the social isolation and come out to All Jokes, the daytime outdoor comedy show at All Good Pizza in Bayview on Saturday, August 22nd at 3 p.m. Where Drea Myers hosts a super funny lineup of comedians. Grab some brick oven pizza and enjoy the show in an outdoor courtyard with plenty of room to be physically distanced. See you soon at All Good Pizza for this tremendous outdoor comedy show at 1605 Gerald Avenue in the Bayview. That's all jokes at Good Pizza with Drea Myers, Saturday, August 22nd at 3 p.m. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> my name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long... We have gone without a chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, Disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I am Italian. And we brought you fascismus with Mussolini. And before that, the Romans. So if you think you live in a fascist country, well, you do. Antitrump.com is the antivirus to the Trump virus. It started in 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better America. No one thought it would be this bad. He was a 70-year-old yammering Nimrod. How bad could it possibly be? We are now in a global pandemic without adequate leadership. Individual politics are not important. We need to rally behind curing the Trump virus. 
go to antitrump.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshops, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hey, you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast, zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it and don't let poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um, what, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why did we do this? Why, why are we <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move it. I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know. I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. Go for it. Call in, guys. Are the end times upon us? Not yet, my friends. Please. This is an impassioned plea from Pam Benjamin director of Mutiny Radio. Let us live past October. You think it's a joke? COVID is decimating all of us, and especially us here at Mutiny Radio. We have money left until October 1st. Don't let anyone sing, despite of their size. 
please, please go donate to our GoFundMe. Go to mutinyradio.fm and click that GoFundMe button. Or just go to Venmo. Mutiny Radio, all one word. Just Mutiny Radio. Give us five bucks. Help us keep free speech and radical self-expression real and alive here in San Francisco and all over the world. Please donate to our Mutiny Radio. Go fund me and keep us alive in 2020 and beyond. Don't let our world end. LSD, fap, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, acid, fapping, fapping, and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains.